Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast. We're hosted by Kendall and Jackie. And here we talk about everything well, horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans, and also the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, the tropes, and new episodes are launched every Monday. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TerranovaPod. And leave a review, five stars, of course, on all platforms that you listen. And last but not least, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog, too. Cool dog. <laughs> Hello. 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 Bonjour. <laughs> How's it going? Hola. I guess we're recording now. How you doing? <laughs> I'm saying in different languages. How's it going? What's yeah, it's good. I'm excited. I'm excited for this because now I can finally stop talking shit to Kendall about it. Um, finally happy about that. And of course, someone's wondering, like, yeah, what true. else are you talking about? What else didn't Kendall watch? I mean, it's a lot of lists, but this is just one of them. <laughs> yeah, I got a checklist on my mobile phone. It's called like Jackie Shit List, and I just got a bunch of shit I need to get off that list so I can no longer be on that list very hard very hard <laughs> i can't help it I, I love horror i watch horror horror is my life 24 7 <laughs> 365 days a week it never ends for me oh this is true i know even when i give you recommendations you rarely ask what it's about you're just like all right cool where can i watch it i'll be like yeah she's gonna watch yep. it <laughs> she's gonna I love watch horror it. that much uh but yeah we're in december in december we're doing kind of multiple films you know some family stuff some you know stuff like that we're gonna do a little bit of like some fun gothic love this time and i'm so excited for this we're finally doing interview with the vampire and we cannot do it without our guest brit i said it very fancy like roll <laughs> hey Hey, Britt, what's going on? Welcome back. It's been a while since the last vampire speak we had. What's up? Yeah, it's. I'm really excited. It has been a little while, and I'm so excited to talk about Interview with the Vampire, which might be one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. Um, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 everything about my entire personality. I think, which is funny because I didn't actually see it until I was an adult. But it definitely has those vibes of like people who saw this as teenagers made it their whole personality, and I don't blame them for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you look like I watched it and experienced this like temporal emotional connection with my younger self, and I was like, "Oh, this would have been your shit if you hadn't seen it at that age." <laughs> um, but. As my best friend likes to say, uh, it's probably for the best because I probably would have gotten a bunch of really regrettable tattoos and dated a bunch of extremely regrettable people had I been that into vampires at my at that age. So, works out for the best. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. Before we even get into it all because I, I can't wait. I already know Brit is going to have all her Britisms. It's going to be hilarious. Oh <laughs> so... <laughs> uh what have you been up to since you last phone um i mean waiting to be on the podcast again honestly um yeah i, <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that um i'm trying to think you know obviously things are still 
on, you know, the situation in the world is still ongoing. So I'm mostly staying home and watching Netflix and Hulu, which means I have been watching uh, the latest season of What We Do in the Shadows, which is a another thing about like stupid gay mean vampires um not to spoil (laughs) the movie or anything um so that's been a delight um that's yeah that's something i think jackie has not seen because i actually said we need to do that Uh, well i see i see the series to be the guest yeah i've seen the series i watched the show i haven't seen the original movie but i watched the series (gasps) the movie's so good yeah, when Britt recommended it to me, and I ended up watching Emily was hilarious. <laughs> he had it pulled up on like stream online easy movie dot biz, and like was watching it while working when we worked together. He would just do that, <laughs> like, uh, like, and I honestly admire the self control because he'd like have it in a tiny little window in the corner, and he'd be like doing his work the whole time. But I'd just be like, "Are you?" That is definitely like megastreamvirus.nz. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> it was all I had to work with. I mean, meanwhile, I got. I, I'm not surprised. I, anyway, I needed to listen to the Queen of the Dam soundtrack <laughs> in order to focus, but we talked about that already. We're we're uh, talking about Interview with the Vampire this week, this year. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Ready to get into yeah. it? You guys ready? Ladies ready? I'm so ready. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> before, before I let y'all burst into flames, because I already know y'all both going fangirl over this as much as y'all talked about this in the Queen of the Dan episode <laughs> and even prior. I already know we about to open the can of worms, so it's going to be fun. So before we even chop into it, we're going to let Britt do the summary for the movie. Yeah, Britt. All right. Uh, so a young man named Louis living in uh, like uh, the late 18th century in Louisiana uh, is in a near suicidal depression after the death of his wife in childbirth, as well as the death of the child with her. Uh, he His beauty and melancholy attracts the attentions of a strange and mysterious stranger named Lestat, who uh, seduces him and turns him into a vampire. Uh, from there, it is their extremely dysfunctional, toxic relationship over the course of two centuries as they fight, love, kill people, uh, try to kill each other, and uh, try to figure out what the meaning of life is. And it is mesmerizing. (laughs) Uh, Tom Cruise's finest role. Like, that's, that's the starting point. So it stars Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt in the early 90s. So, like, the two biggest movie stars of the time uh in this just weird like homoerotic vampire movie and it's incredible it's it's one of those movies that could have been awful but instead it's like incredibly acted even though it's extremely campy like i am not kidding i think this is tom cruise's finest performance i don't care about watching him in like some miscellaneous interchangeable like american imperialism propaganda like i do not give a fuck about (laughs) any other tom cruise movie where he just does action star things don't care he is so incredible as lestat he just totally embodies this like mean bitchy 
evil character and it's so good you can't take your eyes off of him <laughs> i wasn't planning on getting to this at the top of the episode but here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what I, I appreciate that summary for being concise because the movie is only almost two and a half hours so like for you to even summarize it that well very quickly i appreciate it <laughs> i really do and you know, before I let y'all even jump into it, I definitely have the comment on the whole Tom Cruise thing, because you are right. Like, I, lo- I do like the Mission Impossible movies, but there's something about the dramas that he do that really, really kind of stay with me, I've noticed. And he does act his ass off in this one. And honestly, my favorite, I kind of always tell people my favorite Tom Cruise movie, actually, is Valkyrie. The Nazi uh, it was one? Movie, it came out. Mm. Yes. It was really, I thought it was just really well done. I was like, I've never, I, I don't really think much about like how well somebody acts for the most part, but I just really liked Tom Cruise's, Tom Cruise's character in that oh, movie. Cool. And it was just like a really, you know, it was an interesting movie. It was about Nazis. It was about like basically the Germans that were trying to stop the Nazis before like, you know, the allied powers got involved. But it's like just Tom Cruise was just really, really good in it. And I just really, really enjoy that movie because of how good he is in it. So I totally understand your love for him here. <laughs> the guy is a good actor when he gets to show out and he's not just like action guy number five. Yeah. He's, he's pretty Like, great. obviously he's become a kind of a punchline um, over the past 20 years, but he's, he's truly magnetic on screen when he has it turned on. I've seen like a couple like rando, like recent science fiction-y action films he's been in. And like, I was bored the whole time because uh, he could probably, it's probably that he could do <laughs> films like this in his sleep at this point. but in interview he is just like electric like you cannot take your eyes off of him and it is like the perfect match for how the character is in the books because he is this like inhumanly charismatic character to the point where in the book and and this movie version of the book um he is this inscrutable antagonist but he was so much the breakout character that the rest of the book series is about him. Um, like, even Anne Rice isn't immune to her own character and the way he just, like, drives people insane. Wow. What did, what did you think, Jack? I know you've seen this a million times already. So think about it over. The same. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched it when I was a kid. Like, I was really young when I first watched it. And when the news of Queen of Dam came out, I was like, woo, excited, sequel, yeah. But the same way, I mean, I, I told Kendall this before, refer, like the day before we started recording, I was like, you know, I've always in, was into vampires. I mentioned this to Bert too. I've always been into vampires because I just love universal monsters. This movie is what really made me passionately love vampires because of the way the story was, the way the characters were. It felt like you weren't watching a movie about vampires. You were watching a movie about these two lovers who are toxic, trying to like raise their <laughs> daughter in this weird world. You're seeing them like, it, yeah, like you're watching a toxic relationship, a marriage where they want to leave, they can't leave, they go back, same garbage, stuff happens, they're lonely, they're sad, and it's a very sad movie. You know, you're not just watching a vampire movie. And it's it's one of those few movies where I feel like movie credits tend to keep it away from the genre that is horror. Because it, like The Shining is not considered a horror movie because it's drama and it won awards. Then they would get out. The same thing with like 
had like you know Hannibal Lecter. It's not considered mm-hmm. horror because it won awards. And with this film, but it is horror. It might not be typical like blood, guts, and gore, but it's a type of horror because it's kind of showing like realism of yes, they're not human, but they have human-like relations, which we see in real life. Taught that toxic relationship, that whole like. I don't want to leave him, but I love him type of scenario. And you see it, and it's just so, like, powerful. And rewatching it again, you feel it again, and you're just like, oh, my God. And you're just like, fucking what's that? Like, shut up. You're an <laughs> asshole. Like, be nice to Louis. He didn't ask for this. Like, why? Um, And it's just it's so good. So good. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like a psych, like, obviously there are, like, very classic like vamp like monstrous vampire moments where they grab someone by the neck and snarl and there are some like you know like uh you know like some special effects with blood and stuff but it's almost like psychological horror as louis experiences the events of the film because it turns out like hooking up with your rebound and like getting turned into a vampire does not help you (laughs) when you're in a bad cycle like when you're in a bad mental state like he started out as Mm -hmm. so one of the things and i guess i guess this is kind of me kind of again skipping ahead but so one of the things that really comes up later like with lestat and then with armand is that louis is so kind of full of emotions and like Yes, he's very depressed and he's also grappling with a lot of like guilt for various things because like he's mm-hmm. you know like a French American so he's probably Catholic so it's probably Catholic guilt um on top of everything else but all the other vampires are like oh you're so interesting you still feel things uh because they've been around <laughs> for so long that like everything has lost its novelty and they kind of just live in this like malaise and are that's why they're so like i don't know decadent and kind of so like yeah and like so pitiless and uh like just effortlessly like kill people to feed themselves and don't think anything of it and turn it into like this lovely little game where they go to society parties and like kill dandies and whatnot um but yeah but louis holds on to that like human core to the end of the movie um which is is you know not as fun as lestat let's say but <laughs> definitely not, not as fun as lestat but i feel like we got to give louis his due um uh yeah for sure he he definitely is a i would say probably one of the more interesting vampire characters i've seen in like any media honestly in a long time like, I know this movie came out in the 90s, but, you know, we have so many examples of zam- vampires at this point. I think, what, Vampire Diaries, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, we have so many different versions of vampires. Twilight, all of these. But he's, Louis, I would say, is definitely the more interesting. Cause I, feel like, I feel like now, the closest character I could probably think of to Louis is, if you watched Vampire Diaries, the character Stefan. He was kind of like a, I'm a vampire, but I kind of hate it. Like, you know, even that was different. It wasn't quite like Louis. Louis seems to be more so like uh, questioning what there is beyond just eating people every day. Like he's like, okay, cool, that's a part of it, but like, is there anything else to this, or is that or is that it? Like that's kind of how he seems to be viewing the situation. Um, 
Whereas I would say a character like Stefan from Vampire Diaries, he kind of seems to like hate being a vampire, which is like, dude, this isn't all bad. Or if it is, just die. Like, it doesn't have to all be bad. Yeah. <laughs> if you really think it's all bad, kill yourself. You don't have to stay like this. But I do like that Louis is like, I'm not really in a position where I want to kill myself. I'm also just want to figure out if there's more to this, to being this, so that there's, like, some meaning in it. And I kind of like that. I respect that. And I think that's what made this entire movie interesting to me as somebody who's, like, never seen it before. So, like, I literally knew nothing about this movie Honestly, till I watched it, I knew all I knew was that Brad Pitt was in it, uh, Antonio Bender is in it, and Tom Cruise and uh, Kristen Dunst. That's like really it. I didn't really know like how the story worked. For some reason for a long time, I thought they were like living in a castle or something, and they were just having bitter conflicts. But that wasn't what it was at all. It was more of like this movie is like a like a period piece. I mean, there's uh, still yeah, basically almost a conflicts period. and screaming matches. There, <laughs> it's a very dysfunctional thing. Oh, they're going through it. <laughs> Yeah, they're going through it. Every every yeah. scene, they are going yeah. through it. It's just it's not the film I thought it was going to be, and I was like, I'm not mad about that. Like this is this is this is really interesting for what it is. Just every character, it, it, mm. I like that it kind of uh, took that whole thing about vampires. Like you know, they say whoever you are as a person gets heightened when you're a vampire. I like that they took that to the extreme and made that the movie, versus that just kind of being like a a side note to a character. Mm-hmm. They kind of made that like what the characters were. Like, you know, Kristen Dunst was a little girl, so he turned a little girl into a vampire. You now have to deal with the tantrums and all the shit that come with a little girl, but for all of eternity. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I thought that was pretty cool how they used, they used that with all of the characters. You know, Louis didn't, Louis, however you want to say, he didn't forget that he was, like, not in the greatest place of life before this. He still remembered that, and now he's like, okay, cool, since I can't die, what more is there? And I'm guessing Lestat was probably just as reckless as he is as a vampire, probably prior. <laughs> so uh and he just seems to remember that he wasn't given a choice that seems to be a big thing on his mind like i guess consent is a big thing in Lestat's mind because he was never given a choice according to him i think he only brought i don't i don't yeah. think he really brought up consent until like the very end of the movie i don't think there was a lot of consent involved with louis <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't because um Not even when he like first was, even, even when like yeah, because even when he first meets Louis, like he's already like stalking him. His eyes are already on him. Like, like him, the, I want that him. Beautiful man of hair, and then, those kissable lips. Like, how can you resist Brad Pitt in this? <laughs> True. And then you know when he sees him, he's just like, "Oh, I'm gonna give you a choice I never had." But he said it in a way of like, "You can either die, or you could just come with me." That's not really a choice. Definitely not. <laughs> you know, he's giving him an ultimatum. Um, but to go back to what you said, Kendall, about um, characters we've seen relate to Louis, um, Daybreakers reminds me of that as well. Oh, Daybreakers, like, my favorite. Uh, yeah, like Ethan Hawke's character reminds me where he also was just like, I don't want to do this. He never drank human blood. He never liked it. He hated the whole notion of like, why do we have to do this? This is this cruel, this is inhumane. Um, and it's it's. It really is interesting how Interview with the, with the Vampire did open doors for the sad vampire because we've never really seen the sad vampire before. We've always seen the vampires like Lestat. I'm charming. I'm hot. I get what I want. I don't care. I'm destructive. I'm chaotic. We never see the sad story of it, of, of like the fact that they actually aren't happy living for all eternity. It's torture to them. It's, it's sad for them. And that's the one thing I want to give 
for this not just for like Anne Rice writing this book but the movie because it really did kind of open the doors for other vampires that we've never seen before until now because of the movie you know us seeing the I guess human side of vampirism that there is a human side to them they're not all yeah they started out as human you know it's kind of like their fault Mm -hmm. and you know when you mentioned the whole thing about how louis is is different uh like the reason why like they wanted him like when we mentioned that brit is is yeah because uh armand said he was like you are a vampire with the human soul you're immortal with mortal like tendencies and it, it, it really was rare it really was rare and it was that that when he finally got rid of it after he had to turn that woman into a vampire he didn't want to do it but claudia was like do it now and <laughs> he was he was just like fine whatever and he told her he was like that's the last bit of humanity i had and now it's gone because of what i just did and i was like <laughs> he feels so bad yeah he needs a hug <laughs> yeah it's it's so interesting like you know, so much of it is like, is it's like his depression and like kind of pondering what the purpose of life is that he had as a human doesn't even change when he becomes a vampire. He's just like, well, and now I can't even die. This, this is really depressing. Like, it's kind of fun, but yeah. like, Lestat's mean to me all the time. Like, and now I'm stuck with this, <laughs> like, parasite who's like using all my money and like destroying things and also is apparently an idiot because he can't tell me anything about being a vampire it's actually because uh Lestat's a liar <laughs> <laughs> yeah that seems to be the case he, he did definitely come across like uh Lestat definitely was giving me like Dracula vibes like he was like I like specifically the Dracula from like Castlevania the one who's like, not even like the anime, I just mean like from the franchise, like the Dracula from like that franchise, like he knows all because he's been around forever. So you feel like he could probably tell you like, what, how did water get here? Because he's just been around for that long. And Lestat kind of definitely was giving off that vibe of like, oh, I know all this shit. Like, just let me know what you want to know and I got you, bro. But then as he was asking questions, he just realized this motherfucker don't know nothing. <laughs> he's just having a good time. He don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was angry, too, about it. And he was just like, like, what are we? I don't know anything. And I'm just like, bro, relax that anger. Like, <laughs> relax. Chill. Uh, I do not think Lestat knows the word chill and will ever know the word chill. The dude is, he is, I say this as with Lestat being, unfortunately, like, right up there with one of my favorite villains of all time. Like, the dude is not chill. The dude is. The, the dude is, he is extraness incarnate. He is never not at 11 out of 10 at all times. And I think that's why he's so iconic. Like, he is, he is a good villain in the sense that he is, like, a villain who you cannot stop watching and are so entertained by. Like, what's he gonna do next? Oh, he's gonna, like, like knock a bunch of stuff off a table to reveal that it's a coffin and then throw the girl he's already terrorized into the coffin and then he makes fun of it to louis like magnificent yeah he was wild magnificent <laughs> he was wild i love that even like uh when they had the um 
the well, I, this is going to kind of lean to another point. One thing I didn't expect from the movie, I didn't know there was going to be slaves involved. Yeah. I didn't know there was going that back, far back. <laughs> so I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. So Louis was a plantation owner. Okay, that's interesting. So I wonder how this dynamic works. Uh, but that scene right before it all went to, like, he basically burnt it all down when the, uh, one of the workers, one of the slave owners came, slave, slavers came in there to work. And she was just like, uh, you guys want anything to eat? Like, you're kind of freaking us out. And, like, you're kind of scary. But your friend is, like, really scary. <laughs> and I was like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but she's kind of right. <laughs> she's like, death is just, like, kind of everywhere in the air here. We don't know what's going on. We didn't know what was going on prior to this because we're slaves. But we really don't know what's going on now because what the fuck is happening here? Like, this is just strange. And I was like, yeah, this is a... This, yeah, there was a few things I just that was one of the few things I just did not expect in this movie. I didn't expect slaves to be involved. I didn't expect to see like a plantation basically burning down and the slaves of borderline crip walking outside the house. I didn't expect that. <laughs> there was a lot of things I didn't expect. I was like, okay, all right, I see where we going there. But uh, and I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I just didn't see that coming. I didn't know that was going to be like a part of the story, but I, I, it did go that far back, so it made sense. I just, I, it was just it was un, it was surprising, but it was also really interesting how they worked it in because it wasn't like a. Granted, they didn't delve heavily into it, so it wasn't like you discovered that these vampires are racist or anything like that. Uh, it more so seemed like something where uh, Lestat kind of put... The thing I thought was really interesting, Lestat kind of made it plain when he was talking to Louis about kind of who he eats. He was kind of like, ah, like, yeah, we can eat anybody, but he was like, I kind of tend to like to eat bad guys. They taste better. And, and he like mm. he told him that when he was talking about that, uh, I guess you say aristocrat, that lady, who was like, he, she was like, I'm old enough to be a grandmother. Like, when he was talking about her... And he was like, yeah, you know, like, one of the other, I guess, rich guys killed her husband or something, but they blamed the slave. And he was like, could you imagine what happened to that guy? That must have been terrible. But I love to eat people like that. They just taste so much better. And I was like, it's kind of hard to root against that, dude. Like, you're right. <laughs> I can't argue with you there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was really interested in, yeah. uh, like, hearing, like, specifically about that setup that, like, as someone who had never seen it before, Kendall, like what you thought about all that. Um, uh, yeah. It's Louisiana. So it was, it was interesting because it was Louisiana. So once they said Louisiana, you know, people mo mostly think of Mardi Gras or like, I feel like when people think of Louisiana, New Orleans, you think of like Mardi Gras, you think of like the, uh, just supernatural happenings because the people there tend to be more spiritual, like everyone there, like not even just like the black community but like everyone in louisiana seems to be a little bit more like spiritual about like how supernatural things can happen or just like the belief in it so like i was like that setup kind of mm -hmm. makes sense uh it kind of put me in the context of the show i watched later called the originals which is also set in like that same area um yeah no i thought it was it was really interesting i wasn't sure where they were going to go with it um i, I wasn't sure with, i was like okay because you know they they established that all of louis wealth is pretty much because of the plantation that's how wealth worked at that time period so like i was like okay i was just curious what it was but you know they didn't necessarily harp on the day-to-days of that so i was like okay cool it was more so like why he was sad and it was like well he lost his family he lost his wife he lost his child i'm like okay that makes sense i'll put him in a deep despair and then a lot of it was you know the setup of him talking about how he's losing he doesn't really care if he loses the thing that he's acquired because he's lost what he actually valued and i was like oh that's 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 fairly interesting and with the the way the house was set like i thought that was kind of going to be the setting for the entire movie at first i thought they were just going to spend all of their time there but for it to kind of be like once he became a vampire, it was like he didn't really care that he even like really owned slaves. Like, because obviously he didn't need food anymore. And he, <laughs> like, at least not that kind of food. So he didn't need food anymore. And it didn't seem like they necessarily preyed on the slaves because they, they kind of, one, Louis didn't really want to drink human blood. And Lestat kind of like he wanted to go for people who he felt like deserved to die. So 
it was it was kind of interesting to myself. I was like, oh, it's almost like black people was borderline safe unless they were like, you know, amongst the people like living a good life. Like, you know, they, they had that, that waitress that they brought over that they both kind of partaked in. I was like, yeah, she's beautiful. I understand. <laughs> like vampires, they, they always have like a high class taste. So I get it. They go after and Lestat seemed like he was like the creme de la creme of like, I need only the finest of bloods. <laughs> so I, I, I really like that. I actually like the way they did it. Like I didn't need them to give me a, a storytelling on slavery, but I just like how they handled it. I thought it was really interesting the way they handled it. Like pretty much like that's the time period. This is what was happening. They didn't like shy away from that being a part of the story, but that was just, it was, a, it was a minor part compared to them carrying carrying over 200 years it was like an interesting part but it wasn't the whole story and i like that yeah i as of time of recording your most recently released episode is blood quantum which i think is like a very interesting compare and contrast with like how that relates to blood and white people and people of color and in interview the vampire white people all the vampires are portrayed by white actors and it kind of like creates a situation where like vampires are parasitic and also one of these vampires is a slave owner which is pretty parasitic when you think about it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then you got antonio banderas with like some of the most luxurious <laughs> hair when that man came on screen i said damn i forgot how beautiful this man is <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of the break in like i guess all of the white vampires was like antonio banderas uh, what a hairpin turn in, in no, conversation he's, a, he's still beautiful <laughs> <laughs> yeah comes out of nowhere he's just like hello yeah, like, yeah. Hi. Th- that that is a man <laughs> who you cast to work a cape exactly yeah and yes you are right most of the vampires were white which is like that that seems to be the case in a lot of these things like that just always is but i i guess i don't know i like maybe that was just like it's not 2021 so maybe they didn't feel the need to to, to mix it up but or maybe it was just like I don't know, because they, they called it the dark gift. I get that, but it, it I don't know. Was it like, I guess if you want to consider it a curse, then I guess they cursed the right people, right? Almost like it, uh, Jackie even said when we did Blood Quantum, and she was talking about how, like, you know, the infection was, like, kind of karma. So if you want to, and Louis looked at it kind of in some ways like it was, like, a curse. So it is called the dark gift. So if you want to look at it in terms of, like, it being, like, not a good thing and a terrible situation to end up in, then I guess, sure, you could say in a lot of ways they cursed the right people because all the most of the vampires are white and they didn't seem to be much better even as vampires they all seem to be terrible yeah so you definitely could make that argument but and the ones yeah. in paris were obviously like yeah. they had all kind of like gone mad from living too long and you can kind of tell that they're all kind of like hee hee um yeah 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 they were really just awful but um back with the whole louis thing like i love that when because again the slaves didn't know something was wrong I love how they, they emphasize that they're like, you don't eat, you don't drink, what's going on? And then they kind of were suspecting something was wrong. And even when like Louis trying his hardest not to eat that girl, he was like, get away from me, get away from me. Don't come near me, please. And he bit her anyway. He couldn't control it. And I love how when he carries her out and he was just like, yeah, this place is cursed. You know, the owner here is the devil. Because Lestat kind of is. He's, he's a bastard. He was just like, just go. You're all free. Leave. Stay away from this place. Get away from here. Again, it just kind of shows like the torment Louis went through. Because again, like he did not want human blood whatsoever. He didn't. He was fine feeding off rats and poodles. <laughs> and whatever, like chickens or whatever animals he could find. Because he was just like, no, like I'm not going to do what you do. 
it drove him crazy whenever he did drink human blood. Like, it drove him mad. And I love how, like, when he was monologuing in his thoughts about how, like, you know, Lestat's not wrong, I felt calmer, but I still felt guilty about it. And it was just like, damn, Louis. <laughs> Louis deserves rights. Deserves a hug. I guess, like, he needs one at this point. He went from wanting to have death to never kind of being able to get it. Because the, the rules seem to be kind of funky on how you can kill a vampire. Like, well, no no crosses, no garlic, but it seemed like fire was okay. But not really, I guess, depending on how, I guess, how long they burn, because the stat came back. Yeah, Lestat's uh, like Michael Myers. Yeah. He just keeps coming back. Yeah, at least he has a reason. Michael Myers is supposed to be human. <laughs> <laughs> and this motherfucker keep living. <laughs> at least he's a vampire. That makes sense. I know. I mean, I thought that was interesting, too, when when he was being interviewed. And he was just like, oh, no, that's all nonsense. That's all fiction. That's not real. The crosses, the, the garlic, the, you know, the holy water. That's that's not accurate. And I love I love that because, I mean, I mean, we all three of us collectively have seen enough vampire movies to know that the rules always change. Every movie has different rules. The one that always stays the same, though, is sunlight. Sunlight yeah. is the prominent way to kill a vampire. And that, that's it for every movie. And but other than that, I love how it it, it changes. You know, it's, it's different things of like, oh, if you invite the vampire in, if you don't invite the vampire, they can't come in. But if you force a vampire in without inviting them in, they they either burn, they they blow up, they they yeah. bleed to death. Like and let me in when she came in, she's like bleeding everywhere. If because he didn't invite her in, and it's just like it's just interesting how much the rules change. And I actually like that they took away the whole steak and garlic and all that and the crosses away because i think they did that too in um van helsing with hugh jackman when he tried to use the cross on dracula and he was like that doesn't fucking work on me what are you doing <laughs> you're wasting your time get that out of my face and it's just it's just fascinating like i like that part i like how it, it could like rewrite their own way of like how the vampire rules are but the one thing kept the same that I like was the rule of, like, you never kill your own. And I've seen that in other vampire movies as well. You never kill your own. That's always the biggest, like, no, no, you don't do. Because they're like a covenant. You hurt one, we all get suspicious of you. Like, why are you doing this? What do you want? Do you want power? Do you want this? And, and I love how, like, that kind of was the same as it is in other vampire lore that you don't kill your own. It's very sus in a sense. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting because I, off the top of my head, I couldn't remember if I've seen that before where they were just like, yeah, you can't, can't, we have our one rule, you can't kill others like us. And I was just kind of like, I, I feel like I've heard that before, but I can't recall where exactly. But clearly they didn't do enough research. They just heard in passing what happened to Lestat. <laughs> they didn't do enough research. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, despite. Yeah. yeah, the end of the movie, uh, I noticed I had trouble, like, I vividly remember the final scene, which is like one of the greatest like final scenes in a movie in all time, quite frankly. Um, but we can get into that later. <laughs> but I, I noticed that like for some reason, I always kind of like my mind never grasps the like details of the kind of end of the movie. And it, I think it's just because they like they kind of spend so much time building all these set pieces of like Lestat being like, you know, Gaslight gatekeep girl bossing Louis all the time, which is 
great fun that the kind of more plotty stuff right at the end kind of gets a little smushed together. Um, and it like they like yeah. Claudia mentions in passing or Louis mentions in passing. One of them says to the other that they oh by the way they can read minds. Um, yes. Yeah, it was and Louis. like then he's the one who's caught out like kind of thinking too loud. Um, and like that's how they find out. But it's it's kind of just comes out of nowhere very and very late in the movie so i'm just like man do i not pay attention to movies <laughs> no i think you do it's just there's a lot happening in this movie because if you remember earlier in the movie when they go to the party lestat tells him to read the mind of that that woman at the end of later killing the, the aristocrat lady he was like read her mind he was like what read her mind and then he tries it. he's like i can't he's like oh i guess it gives us all different gifts so they didn't mention it earlier it just seemed to be not something that louis was able to do so and that's, ah, that's, that's probably why he remembered. It's probably, I guess, I'm guessing, based on how this is, this world works, abilities come with age. Mm, yeah, I think that's how it works. Because remember, uh, Lestat's supposed to be way older than than Louis, and then Antonio Banderas' character Amand is like 400 years old. He, according to him, he's the longest living vampire. So his powers are probably mm-hmm. some next level shit. That that whole section of the movie was a little bit confusing for me, but uh, yeah, that part in particular where he says he was one of the longest living vampires. So I'm guessing abilities just come with time, but uh, yeah, the biggest thing I was taking away from a lot of this movie a lot was that uh, yo, these motherfuckers is mad lonely and it's just mad old dudes trying to get a young man on, on their sleeve <laughs> 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 because every young everybody meets Lestat and they, I mean, he meets Lou and they like, man, I need him to be a part of my life. I'm just like. Wow. Okay. Mean. Cool. Um, I, and it didn't <laughs> click for me till the end that that was what they wanted because you know when they were talking about hey they were gonna uh, get kill Claudia and he was just like they better not touch her and I was like well they'll do this but and she was even like well they may kill me but you know they want you so they don't really care about me so give me a new companion to walk around with and I'm like damn all of y'all just lonely okay I guess that's the message here everybody here is lonely and needs a friend through eternity. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's interesting. Yeah. It kind of turns into this story of like what isolation does to a person and how you need human connection to kind of stay sane. And I think yeah. I, it certainly feels very relevant uh, in the year 2021. Like I'm still working remotely. I don't leave my house. Like, and I definitely feel sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, I just need to talk to someone who is not like the same, like, two three people i talk to regularly like i just need some sort of human connection it's very alienating and um it's kind of interesting how like at the end of the movie there's that monologue about louis finally after traveling europe for years returns to the united states in like beginning of the 20th century and mass media is what kind of you know like rouses him from some of his depression uh and yeah. he's able to like see the sky again through movies and uh he like you know modern technology makes it easier for him to connect to the human world in such a way that he feels less lonely for the first time in in 200 years because you know he can walk around at night and everyone's walking around at night yeah that is true yeah really good point yeah it's right you mentioned about that like us living now and how we're dealing with it, right? Like, I remember, like, last year, I bought a PlayStation again. Like, I read my PlayStation years ago. Well, I bought a PlayStation again because I was like, well, I'm going to be home so much, it would be nice to talk to people. So, like, I have some of my, like, childhood friends and stuff that I still talk to. And a lot of the time, they end up on PlayStation. We end up 
playing games and joking. Sometimes just logging on, just like bullshit and joke with each other. And it is kind of important. It is important. Being, you know, whether you work remotely mm-hmm. or just not getting out as much. Different levels of comfort. So, yeah, that, that was really interesting how he reconnected through media because it, it seemed also like it, it seemed like, and this is just my thought, but it seemed like he, uh, as a vampire, a big part of being able to live with living together, living forever is having the ability to change. Like a lot of the vampires, as I think Ahmad even said, he was like, vampires don't change. They stay the same and they lose their mind. He's like, you know how I many vampires I know who have decided to just kill themselves because they just couldn't deal with it. But it seems like uh, mm-hmm. Louis having the ability to change, the ability to adapt to the world that is moving around him is what keeps him sane. So it's not necessarily the companionship that everyone else is like grasping for. Everyone else thinks if you're stuck in his hell with me, then we'll be, I'll be all right. But he's like, no, nah, the world is moving and I could still, he found ways to move with it. And that's what makes it easier, which is, you know, it kind of makes, that's the real life, right? Like you change with the world. You could, mm-hmm. not to say you got to hop on social media, nothing like that. But like these technologies that we have now changing, adapting to the world a bit does keep you kind of in tune and kind of like in, in, <clears throat> in flow with the world and things moving around you. Otherwise you just, you might feel completely stagnant and lose your mind. True. And I mean, I mentioned this before when we did the Queen of Dam episode. The best example about how vampires don't change, and again, this was her first role ever, and I'm talking about Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. A child actor, the fact that she was turned as a child because it was during the Black Plague, Louis was hungry, he felt like crap, Lestat was just like, okay, cool, new toy for me, let's bring her back to life. And she's a child for... A duration of her life and then later on you start to see the fact that she may look like a child but she is not a child anymore the moment you notice that is when lestat buys her a doll specifically the day that she's reborn and he's just like oh i just thought you could use another doll and she was like i'm too old for these dolls i don't like these dolls anymore and she has the only breakdown throws her dolls away cuts her hair freaks out because it regrows and she's like who made me this way who did this to me and she was just so angry at both Lestat and Louis because she can never turn to a beautiful woman she can never grow she can never like age it would never happen to her she would stay in a childlike body for all eternity even though internally she is like x amount of years she can never have that and her acting was so amazing that like you felt bad yeah. for her like you really felt for her like imagine like having to be stuck in a body like that it wasn't your choice you're you're forced to be that way and you're going crazy you're, you're going through things and it's just so insane and i like how amon had told louis was like it's forbidden for vampires to turn that young it is the biggest taboo any everywhere because they're so innocent. <laughs> they still have life among them. So to take that away from them is like it's torturous. It's it's crime. It's horrendous. It's dangerous. It is. And you see how dangerous she was. She might be worse than Lestat. She was like <laughs> Lestat. She was worse than Lestat. She was just like him. She wanted chaos. She wanted everything to burn around her as long as her and Louis were together because she did love Louis. Louis wasn't just her father figure. That was her lover. As yeah. she got older, that was her lover. 
that wasn't just like, oh yeah, he he's he, he's my second dad. No, that was literally her companion for life. And brother, he felt the same way as well because remember he said, oh, she's like my child, and her mom was like, no, that's your lover. That's not your child. Not anymore. You don't see her as that anymore. You know yeah. what she is. You even you. see it in the costuming and when they, when uh, they kill a stop the second time uh, in her her little dress with her little hat when they're taking the boat to Europe and mm -hmm. then throughout her time in Europe she's wearing kind of like tiny child-sized versions of what a more adult looking outfit she's wearing all black she's yeah. wearing like a formal gown it's a gown not like a dress for a little kid um mm -hmm. uh but god what an incredible yeah. performance like that's that sort of intensity and like just raw like pain that she expresses during that breakdown scene that would probably be hard for an adult trained actor to accomplish and she was just a little yeah. kid doing it which is incredible she was 11 years old i think when they filmed and she got mm -hmm. she got like best yeah. supporting actress nominations for her work i don't think for the oscars i think think all the interview of the vampire oscars were for kind of like technical and screenwriting and music but like she got nominations for other awards for best supporting actress because of just what a phenomenal job she does like you don't think she's a little kid trying to keep up with two of the most popular actors of the era next to her she is holding her own next to two of the most popular mm -hmm. and charismatic actors of the era yeah she, she yeah. honestly, in my opinion, carries the movie once Lestat is gone. She carries the movie. It's mm -hmm. like Louis, for as much as we, we all like Louis and stuff like that, like he doesn't do a lot. <laughs> he's just, you know, because, you know, a lot of things he's looking for aren't exactly stuff you can kind of. Uh, he's like the first. Just make it tangible. He's yeah. The first email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is the first email. Like he's he's almost like he's looking for like, you know, he's asking philosophical questions and a lot of that stuff you can't necessarily make tangible or like put into a cutscene. So it's not it's not just like, oh, this is like a cool thing I can just show people. So like she was kind of responsible, in my opinion, for like the energy of the film once Lestat was gone. Because Lestat, you know, he brought all the crazy stuff. I remember I wrote, I wrote a note in my my phone. And I was I was laughing. I was like, Lestat is that drunk friend that can't get drunk unless you get drunk with him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really who he is. Like, he could be almost blackout. Yeah. And he's like, why are you sober? Like, you need more in your life. Like, he'll throw you six more shots. He's definitely that guy. Um. But once he's gone from the film after they killed him twice, this motherfucker rises every time. But once they, they get him out of the film, a good portion of the film, she does, in my opinion, a big carrying of the film. Because I feel like a lot of the places that they're going, it's in part because she wants to go there. Like, you know, they, they both make the decision because, mm -hmm. like, he, I feel like he cared for her as a child, of course, because he lost his children. He lost his child. So it was, like, kind of a replacement that he didn't necessarily have to look, out af look after as intently as, like, a living child. Mm -hmm. But it was also somebody who could like he can like you know relate to and give it. It's like you both kind of hate Lestat. She she was more active about it, but like you both kind of hated it. You both wanted to kind of get free of him. Uh, she was definitely more proactive about getting rid of him. <laughs> but you <laughs> you both made that I decision. I mean, she's a woman. It's because she's a woman. Okay, women are always the first one to act. Men are just like, I think I'll do it. No, nah, I'm not gonna do it. She was like, Hell no, I'm getting free stuff. Oh, for sure. I'm <laughs> losing the ties. I'm cutting this cord. I am out. If she was 10 years old, she could have been the villain. Because uh, she <laughs> she was not playing when it was time to get rid oh, of Oh, my God. Was she, she like, like, oh, you really don't mind us being She gone? just grabs him and slits his throat, and then there's blood gushing everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's one of the most, like, brutal deaths in the movie. 
And you know what made that scene extra crazy to me? After she poisoned him, slit his throat, he's bleeding out. The blood is pulling on the floor, and she's like, "Louis, can you pick me up?" She's just like, "It's <laughs> just like move me away from the blood." Like she's a child. Like you just murdered someone. Yeah. You were not a child. Yeah, it, that's so interesting that that's like that's such a perfect encapsulation of this character. Like she is capable of this incredible violence, but like she's she's like a vaguely adult personality, but she still has like the physical brain and like like neurochemicals of a child so she's got like no (laughs) self-control and like will lapse into this helplessness out of nowhere uh and the switch from that violence to that very child like oh my slippers is like oh it's chilling it's (laughs) chilling like I would say my only possible criticism of this movie is that like I would want I would have wanted more like horror set pieces but like they're pretty horrifying mm-hmm. like if you just like allow yourself to relax into you know like yeah it's kind of like beautiful swelling violins instead of like scary creepy violins but like what we're watching is a, a horror movie from the point of view of the monsters in it pretty much yeah yeah yeah, and I mean, and to add to the, like, unlike Queen of the Dam, which had like all that new metal music running the movie, for this because it's like a period piece, um, the classical music playing, whether it's Lestat playing music or whether it's Claudia playing music, it also carries the movie. It adds to that gothic drama feel. And I appreciate that a lot. Because yes, some movies do that. They have the whole classical play. And you're like, oh, this is creepy. Or this is eerie. Or like, this is dramatic. But with Interview the Vampire, it just it matches. It just goes with it so well. And especially when like... The, the first time they see Lestat back from the dead. From the swamp. He's there playing yeah. the piano. He's talking. He's just like Claudia, you've been a very oh, bad girl. It's like a full villain stuff. monologue. And, and it's he's so been good. a whole elec- Yes. <laughs> and with the it's still playing that piece. And that's an iconic mm. piece he's playing. But it matches so well that you feel it and you're just like, oh my god. And then you as an audience member, you're there like, I really <laughs> hate this guy. And you're scared for Louis and Claudia. You're just like, oh my god, are they gonna die? Is he going to kill them? Oh my god. And it's just like... <laughs> that's the one thing I appreciate. Movies, when they have like a great score to it. If you don't have a good score, it just doesn't match well. You could have an amazing story, but the score is not as suited. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And for this movie, like it, it felt perfect. The score was married to the movie. And yeah, I, I, I love that, that. Just like that kind of swelling violin uh series of notes it's just like so kind of like dreamy and lush but like a little foreboding and it kind of is the kind of like key mm-hmm. musical refrain especially around louis and it's just like oh it's so good it's like always stuck in my head uh because it captures the like romantic melancholy of like Louis's journey through the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. It's, it is kind of amazing how music is such a big part of uh, both this film and Queen of Damn, despite them clearly being made by very drastically different <laughs> people. 
Because Queen of the Damned is nowhere near as good as this movie. <laughs> as we even said in our review, Queen of the Damned, the highlight of that movie is Aaliyah. It is Aaliyah and how hot the people are. That's really it. And not even really the people. I feel like they put all the good looks into Lestat and everybody else was just like a random dude from England. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, this movie is clearly a way better film. Like, from in terms of like film structure, plot, it's just a way better film. But they're so different that they honestly could have coexisted if they maybe put the same level of effort into it. Because this movie, like we said, is like a mm-hmm. gothic film. It's more violins. And then we get like the new metal, which is a totally different vibe. Like those two things could exist in the same franchise. Just for some reason, they didn't try to, I don't know, marry some of the pieces of it. It just seemed like they just dropped the ball entirely from this movie to the next. Like, I don't I don't get it. Like this movie doesn't even end with Lestat like sleep in a coffin. Whereas that's how he basically wakes up in Queen of the Damned. Like, it's, it's very weird. It's very weird how they got from there to here. But from there to there, I don't get it. But uh, Interview with Vampire is definitely a far better movie. Yeah, I mean, speaking of how this movie ends or doesn't end, dude, quite possibly the best ending of any movie of all time. When, <laughs> so, like, Christian Slater is, like, cruising in his, like, gorgeous convertible sports car down the highway like starting to listen back to the tapes and then out of nowhere just like Lestat jumps out like in the perfect like bitchy like tone of voice is like I assume I need no introduction and just like rips the guy up like the car nearly crashes like takes control of the wheel insults Louie and then turns on Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones and drives off into the night. Like, <laughs> that is, it's mesmerizing. It's so perfect. It is such a good ending to a movie. It is, and, bless, bless you. you. Um, oh my god, it's, it's just yeah. so good. Like, it is just, it's an ending scene, but it gets me so amped because it's just, like, the, like, just, you know, like, talk about, like, the charisma of Tom Cruise, a thing I didn't think I'd ever care about or particularly discuss in my <laughs> life, but he just is, like, so embodying this, like, just, like, mean, pansexual, like, predatory vampire, like, villain jerk. It's so good. Yeah, and I kind of, I mean, I feel like I was, I was watching it for a good portion of the movie and also laughed. I was thinking to myself for a good portion of the movie, what happened to vampires like this? Like, I know that we vampires are still glamorous. That's still a thing. But it seemed like we dropped the ball on how, like, frightening they could choose to act. <laughs> like, I, granted, I, was, I wasn't a big mm-hmm. fan of Twilight. I watched, like, one of the movies. Wasn't a big the problem fan. with Twilight is uh, it is the best the Twilight, comedy ever. The problem with Twilight is it made vampires straight. <laughs> because it's the best comedy series, Brit. It's the best comedy series No, I've the problem is... <laughs> The best like comedy his, show ever. Agreed. So funny. I definitely have vivid memories of going with my friends to see Twilight and getting shushed by the people around us because we kept laughing at all the nonsense on screen. But like <laughs> to to further my like homosexual agenda, um, like <laughs> the some of the oldest examples of the vampire in literature were homoerotic. Like Carmilla is the lesbian vampire mm-hmm. book. The Vampire by yeah. Polidori was literally about his own weird, toxic relationship with Lord Byron. Yes, Lord Byron. Um, that's why all vampires are like that, because they are based on 
Lord Byron, the number one troublemaker of Regency England, um, a man who was so annoying, he inspired both a seminal work on vampires and also Frankenstein. Um, wow. Uh, so, like, vampires have always, like, they've always been about, like, sexuality and the, like, you know, taboo sexuality, which is great and very sexy, and I have a great time watching all of that. Um, and Twilight made them so straight! Oh my god, they were... <laughs> and drive Volvos and, and like, have, like, like marriages. The... Boring! Oh my god! If I was an immortal killing machine, yeah, I would be dressing was... like... I'd be dressing like Lestat and Louis, but in the modern day, who could stop me? I'd adjust my little lace cuffs and yeah. drive a sports car and and be mean to people. Everything. What were you about to say, Jackie? Uh, a friend of mine has read the first book of Twilight. She, uh, they had told me that how they read the first one, and they were just like, they had the only headache trying to get through <laughs> just halfway of the book because it made no sense. Sense. it was just so yeah. bad I, I feel bad because like I, I feel like twilight really did ruin robert patterson's career for a while i mean he's a great actor and even he hated the role when he got the script after the first movie he was like what the fuck <laughs> like i am i am a ten thousand year old version vampire that makes no who sense. hates myself why and I sparkle. Yeah, at least Brad Pitt got It's just horrible. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, word. Yes. Uh, yeah. A 10,000 yes. year old version. That doesn't even yeah. make sense. Yeah. I, I think... don't get why that would be a part and, of the character. And it, and it is true, like what Bert's saying, because yes, like vampirism isn't just straight love. In any iteration of vampirism, whether it's in, in Camerlin or even like some sense of like Bram Stoker's Dracula, it's, it's like vampires is like. They're in a really huge, like, <laughs> polyamorous orgy. They're with anybody. They don't care who you are. They don't care I mean, what look you at, are. They're yeah. like, they're going to glamour you and then take you and be like, that's it. I'm done. I yeah, like, work. look at. Why not? It's not like they are worried about STDs or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I mean, look at the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Like, they're, that's clearly a toxic polycule if there ever was one. They definitely <laughs> mm-hmm. all, like, allude to having hooked yeah. up with each other. Um, which is is very funny and entertaining. Um, if you guys want me on for like multiple what we do in the shadows episodes, I am more than happy to. Just by the way, just saying, just saying. Cool. That's good to know. We'll, we'll definitely do that at some point. But uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, both of you even do. um, yeah, and even in um, uh, what is it like? Let me in. Even the original yeah. version and the book is based on a book. In the book, they don't really specify what the vampire is. They don't specify what gender they are. We don't know if they're female or male. Yeah. And I mean, in the remake, they kind of insinuate that oh, it's a female, but in the books, it has no gender. They have no gender. Yes. In the in the original French film, film right? they French? kept that. Yes, yeah. and they kept that. It was a girl, but she dressed as a boy because mm-hmm. they wanted to keep the whole non-binary aspect of it. Yeah. Whereas in the remake, still a great remake, but even when he asked her, like, "Are you a girl?" and she was just like. Why do you care? I'm a vampire. It shouldn't matter. So in a way, they kind of kept that as well. That how like she has no gender. They have no gender. They're just a vampire. And I feel like when you're reborn as a vampire, and we see this in other vampire films, you're not. You could be whatever the hell you want to be. You're not. You're reborn to something else. You're just a, a, a creature who 
likes blood and likes to have a fun time having sex. That's literally what you are. And also, sometimes you could be lonely and sad, and that's fine. I mean, we're humans. We're all like that, too. So <laughs> we have that in common. But, but that's the one thing I love about vampirism, and I think that's why I feel like vampire. I, mean, I think at a time when, when this movie came out, and even like Queen of the Dam, we had that whole height of vampire movies all over the world. Like It was vampire, 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 nonstop movies. But the one thing I would say is that I love and appreciate when directors can get it right. That vampires aren't just, oh, I'm here and I'm in love with this beautiful woman. No. You know, I love that how like, they can be so fluid of like, I could be whatever you want and I just want whoever I want. I don't care who or what you are. And it's, it's refreshing to see that in, in media when they're able to get yeah. that And I think right. the reason why uh, Anne Rice's vampires in particular struck such a chord is they do strike that balance between these vampires being all id and serving their id. But Louis in particular being that like one voice of like, you know, like acknowledging that maybe what we're doing and like surviving at all costs is kind of horrible, which, you know, like then kind of led to imitators kind of creating the sad boy vampire genre we know today of like, oh, I feel bad about being cool and sexy <laughs> all the time. But like, I, I feel like, I feel like everything in moderation, uh, wild to say about of like, course. you mm -hmm. know, loose vampire nonsense, but like, I think, I think what makes vampires and vampire storytelling interesting is when you do have both things happening at the same time. If it's just vampires, like, going to high school and feeling bad about themselves, like, that's not interesting. But if they're just, like, horror, murder, kill, kill, mm -hmm. like, eh, it's a little boring. That's not really my taste. I, I want to see the, the human monster. I want to I see them reveling in their power while also kind of reckoning with what it, what does that mean? Um, God, I sound like such a yeah. Louis Stan right now, but honestly, I like I stand <laughs> Lestat. Like he's the fun one. Like I want to party with that guy. Like same. Anne Rice somehow created like the ultimate fangirl character without meaning to, and she herself is a fangirl of her own character. Which she's she's a she's a, she's a bit of a character herself. If you catch my drift, um, uh, she is is has been on quite a journey um, uh, in her life. Uh, she has left Catholicism and then reconverted and then left Catholicism a second time. Uh, she is notoriously protective of her work and didn't even, and hated the casting of Tom Cruise. And even though she was allowed to be involved in the movie, she didn't have enough power to object to it. Um, but to her credit, yeah. Uh, like everybody else who kind of doubted that casting, uh, you know, you like he does a phenomenal job, and she's like, okay, yeah, they cast the right guy for this. This is incredible. Like he's not physically how I pictured Lestat, like, but he's he's like playing the character so well. Yeah, and I, I give her credit for mm -hmm. at least being able to admit that she was wrong when she actually saw the movie out because some people don't. do Oh, that. she did it one time you in know, her but... entire life. Mm, uh, I am. She. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> very infamous like a lot of very popular successful writers after a while like they don't actually get edited anymore um which yep. leads to bad reviews when someone you know is you know basically saying like oh this book's a mess and uh she very infamously um once responded to a i think a negative review on amazon like so not even like a published review in like <laughs> 
some writing journal or like entertain or like entertainment magazine, like just a rando reviewing a book on Amazon. And she responded with paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs and wrote the immortal phrase, you are interrogating the text from the wrong perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that says a lot. That yeah. says a lot. Well, uh, more power to her, I guess, because I guess I don't know it's working for her, so she she can keep that. But uh, yeah, to give more, I just will give her credit for that one thing, and I'll, I'll move on. We've talking about it. That, that's what she get from me. But uh, I just want to add on to the point that you that you all said about vampires, because that's actually why I've been a big fan of them ever since I was probably as old as like seven years old or something. Even before, I think even so from Dust to Dawn, even just watching like Fright Night, my dad and old vampire movies like that. I uh, just became a, va- a fan of them. I just always thought they were cool. Like, you know, um, not necessarily the drinking blood part. Like, that definitely wouldn't be the top of my list as to why I would <laughs> want to be a vampire. But I just thought it was cool that, you know, they could, like, defy l- the rules of everything. Like, that's pretty much what vampires are supposed to be. Um, You know, I think even uh in the political context, that's how people have always viewed vampires. I think people said vampires are viewed as, like, democratic because they almost have, like, no laws. As you know, people like to paint them. They have no laws or like they live boundless to like society's norms. And I've always appreciated that from vampires, like whether whatever gay, straight, whatever they're into, just see, being able to like defy gravity, jumping on the ceiling, just anything. Well, you know, biggest downside, you can't go out during the day, but hey, you can sleep in late. Uh, it's not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> but I always thought vampires. I already do yeah, that. Yeah, I always, th- I already I always do thought that, vampires so. was super fucking cool for like all of those reasons. And like, yeah, I'm a straight dude, but I'm I like. I can acknowledge that another dude looks nice. I'm like, oh, that's a good looking dude. I happen he get all the girls. Like, and it's just so yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think you necessarily have to be like. It's not. It's not a matter of being. Uh, have to being sexual with the with the other sex. In my opinion, I think it's more of just like being comfortable enough in how you exist that you could you don't mind saying, oh, that person may look really nice, or that person is this, and that person looks that. Like Tom Cruise looks amazing in this movie. Is this that? I was like, I can see why all the girls fan fan girl love him. The dude looks great. And uh, vampires just seem to defy all of those social norms, and I've always appreciated that about vampires. It's so cool for that. And your explanation of why Twilight mm. sucks because he's straight <laughs> actually makes perfect sense. It makes really per- I've never thought about it because I don't even like the franchise, but that makes perfect sense because for somebody, for a creature that has lived for so long, for you to live by any such like code and boundary like that is so stupid. How can you be a ten thousand year old version when you've literally lived forever? Why would you want to be a version for that long? That does not make sense. Are you saving yourself for marriage? You could have been married a thousand times by now. <laughs> I don't get it. But that's a totally different criticism of that yeah. franchise. But your, but that point you made is so accurate, and I never even considered it to just now. And I'm going to say that to anyone who ever mentions that franchise. <laughs> my only, it's, I mean, it's like true. when you live it's that true. long, and I think, and again, this really comes up in the what we do in the shadows TV show a lot. Like, uh, the the season premiere of this most recent season has uh, Matt Berry Laszlo saying I became a vampire to suck blood and fuck forever which like <laughs> exactly uh, like mwah. that's my reason <laughs> like wow like there there we have it there we have it folks that's exactly the sort of energy I want from a vampire um and like having guilt and like regrets about it totally fine too but in moderation there there should be that kind of unrestrained like just carnal desire constantly happening around it mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> definitely um 
and it's it, again it's interesting how like the birth of this book like came about from you know Anne Rice's yeah. grief you know uh you know she lost her daughter and it, it's you can tell because she said that how years later she didn't realize it at the time when she was writing it but years later after it released the movie came out successful that's when she realized that how like the movie isn't really about Lestat it's really about her grief losing her yeah. daughter which is why Claudia is such an like, important character throughout the whole entire movie because Claudia is her daughter and it's, it's like you could feel it you feel it the whole entire film through all the characters that it's, it's really about coping with grief the different elements of grief and you know we, we've done movies that's from lit like you know, we did Pet Cemetery, which is also like the whole movie is basically about grief and the, the lengths you would do to get that person back. Like, what would you do? What would you give? Um, and this is the same way. You know, Claudia was, yeah, like like you mentioned before, but like that that was his daughter. That was his daughter. That was his child he lost. That childbirth. Lestat being, you know, a manipulative, narcissistic dick that he is, was just like, here, a child. Now you can never leave me forever. And it's just like, that's not how it works, Lestat. That's not how it works. You can't just take someone's child. It's <laughs> yeah. not well, how it Lestat works. Well, Lestat was using her like a, like a divorced couple. He was just like, like you know how people say, oh, I've been tricked. Like, now there's a kid involved. We can't leave each other. That was how Lestat yeah. used it. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely yeah. like, uh, yeah. let's have a baby to save the marriage sort of situation. But I know, it, but <laughs> to like Jackie's more serious point, like, yeah, I mean, I do feel a little guilty for you know, like having kind of, like, kind of made fun of Anne Rice a little bit earlier. But, you know, it was written to cope with the loss of her daughter. Um, it's spe- especially significant that she ended up writing a story about vampires because her daughter died of leukemia, which is a blood disease. Um, so she spent a lot of time yeah. thinking about mm-hmm. blood and children. And, you know, you can you can see how that spirals into, like, Louise kind of guilt and, uh, like, kind of constantly asking, like, what's even the point of living? You know, you can, like, not mm-hmm. every work has to be autobiographical, um, but, you know, you can kind of easily draw the connection to how she's wrestling with still being alive after having buried her daughter and, you know, how this little girl yeah. is fixed in time and her memory as that forever now. Um, and... Yeah. And I mean, you see it too when they uh, introduce Madeline, the girl that Claudia meets at the dress shop. And she bites her and she tells, you know, Louie, like, I want you to turn her. I mean, yeah, it was like kind of accepted, like, you want to turn her? What the hell? But then you realize that Madeline also had a daughter that died. And so Claudia was also that child for her as, as she was for Louie, yeah. mm. the child they lost. And... It was just so poetic because like, you know, I didn't know about that fact about Anne Rice until later on. And then when I rewatched the movie again, I'm like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense now. Why Claudia is such an important character because she's not just this feral, like, I hate how I am type of character. Like, she's so important for both Louis and this new character, Madeline, both losing a child, both dealing with like so much sadness and so much like what is life what is this what is that and claudia giving that new life to them even if it's destructive and painful and you see it and i like when writers do that a lot because yeah it's not an autobiography it's not she's just writing a a book about how she feels how she internalizes it in her own way through vampires 
but she did it in a way that's like if you would have never known that you're thinking oh this is like a very romantic vampire book but then when you realize what what inspired it you reread it or rewatch it and you're just like wow this is her morning yeah word from beginning to end that's this is her this is her seeing this reborn it's just it's it's so beautiful but also very tragic and sad but i love when writers can do that you know like i love how they can like pour themselves into their work in such a way yeah for real and i, I love that you mentioned that it's romantic because i remember when i looked up the movie at first on imdb just to kind of i forgot why i even did i think i wanted to see who was in the cast or something and it, it, it says romance like the genre is romance for this movie and i was like romance i was actually confused because <laughs> i didn't watch the movie yet but then having seen it yeah it makes sense it's like everybody's kind of in love with everybody in a way like it's just like it really is like about love the whole film is truly truly about love the stat for as crazy and as wild as he is he was definitely looking for his own kind of love and happiness in some way outside of just you know killing people with his free time and that being like the highlight of his day he wanted somebody to enjoy it with him like he's like i need he needed someone i didn't just want he needed it and he needed it in the most aggressive way possible <laughs> it's like like he just his frustration every time we was like i'm not gonna take part in this was just like on tw- on a thousand he was just like what the fuck like it basically like, it seemed like i was gonna be his line his opening line every time he spoke to louis was just like what the fuck is wrong with you get on board motherfucker like this is what we do and he's just like nah i'm not gonna do it he was throwing all types of ultimatums in his direction he was just like nah i'm not i'm not gonna get down with that he was like, you are ruining a good time. Like, I'm telling you, just like a drunk friend. <laughs> He's like, we are supposed to be having fun. I'm not having fun. This isn't fun. Like, he was just like, but everyone seemed to be looking for their own kind of fun. Like, you know, Claudia, if she would have been able to grow up, even as a vampire, no telling how she could have turned out. She probably could have been maybe a little more tame in terms of temper. If she had the ability to grow up, maybe if they caught it when she was older, maybe she would have been a little bit more tame in her temperament. Because that scene where she saw the woman who was like nude, who was like looking in the mirror and all of that. And she and Lestat was like, oh, do you like want to eat her or something? And she was like, no, I like want to be her. And I was like, oh, that was like the seed in my mind. Like, that's the seed. This is going to end horribly for everybody. Because she was just like, I, I want to grow up. She want to, you know, grow up, be a woman, be an adult, grow into everything, grow into your body, grow into your thinking, grow into all of that. Like she, She'll just never be able to experience that. And that was like kind of, I guess you could say, her love that she was looking for. And the only way, she, only, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could say, uh, semblance of like some adult life that she had seemed to be with Louis. Like she didn't, ha- I don't think anybody else was willing to take her, would be able to willing to take her like that to like go to these parties with her, hang out with her. He, Cause he kind he treated her like an adult. And like, so I don't think she would be able to get that from anyone else. So everyone was looking for their own love. Amand, he found his love in Louis kind of like Lestat, not quite as toxic, but pretty toxic. Cause he got Claudia killed. Uh, he was just like, basically like willing to burn the entire, all of Paris <laughs> just to have Louis. So it's it, actually, yeah, just, if not worse than Lestat his own level of toxic but he found his love in that he's like wow you have a spark like i need that spark to be a part of my life everyone and i don't really care what i have to do to get rid of it sorry i just that was a very thoughtful wonderful thing and i'm gonna ruin it It like man everybody being so hot for louis gives me hope as a really depressed bitch like (laughs) like if if multiple people can think louis is charming and beguiling despite constantly being like a Debbie Downer, like, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> I know, same. Same, Louis. Louis's Louis, Louis in our group. He's he's our voice chat. He's like, oh, I had this today. I had a puppy. You know, puppies don't live for long. He's that person. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, Louis, you okay? 
need a hug. I need an ice cream. Here you go, buddy. Cherry flavor. We oh, we it. got you a cherry Garcia because it's like weirdly like like a like a pale flesh tone and it's got like dark red chunks in it. And he will gladly take it and yeah, cry a little bit. Like, are you crying? No. Yeah. That we him. What's interesting is the books are kind of infamous for their like purple prose like it's very ornamental there's like a lot of description that doesn't serve to move the plot along which is absolutely fine i think like i think in interview and then with the follow-up book the vampire Lestat, um it works very well and it was edited well um but one of the things that doesn't come up Mm -hmm. in the movie just because it's so hard to express through a non-written medium is how the vampires constantly live in this like semi like like high state where they are seeing like every little detail all around them all the time like when louis is first turned he's mesmerized by like the patterns in a carpet and they're feeling this like they're experiencing this heightened reality so deeply but they like can't taste and they can't drink water and they only feel thirst for blood so i can also see how like that can that's depressing. that can do something to you <laughs> mentally and also mm-hmm. i can see how that could drain you mentally and why so many vampires kind of go mad with old age because like like i have i have like slightly less than perfect vision like i legally need to wear corrective lenses if i drove and people always ask oh do you like wear corrective lenses all the time i'm like god no like we're all like you know we all work in the visual arts in some field um mm-hmm. and like i'm so my eyes are so trained to like notice these little things anyway because of my professional experience but if i saw the whole world in high def i'd be crazy too i don't need to see everything like i would go <laughs> insane i would be like mm-hmm. i would be like one of those vampires completely overwhelmed by every shadow on every leaf like no wonder these no wonder vampires are nuts if they have to see that every day Good point. Yeah. And this is interesting. But you know what's funny, too, about the premise? Like, I mean, yeah, it's based on her grief, but I find it so interesting. I feel like people have asked her, like, oh, what inspired you about vampires? Why vampires? And I love how she was just like, I hate Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I love Dracula's daughter. That was my shit. That's what inspired me to write vampires. (laughs) And I'm like, yes. The most gayest movie ever to exist. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm like yes and rice i'm with this <laughs> and it's so funny that she was like yeah fuck my friend stroke dracula i'm here for dracula's <laughs> daughter that's what i'm here for and you can see that too you can sense that throughout the whole entire book <laughs> even like in like the whole chronicles of like Lestat, like you can sense that that's what nina was too in, in um dracula's daughter she was lonely she was companionship she would take it from anyone she didn't care who or what you were she was like come let me feed on you be my companion forever and it's it's just so amazing it's so great um but yeah i'm, I'm happy we finally got a chance to do this do this review been dying for kendall to watch this <laughs> for like I did forever it. I did yeah it. i'm glad he finally watched it yeah it, it's and again, like it's just such a it's such a beautiful movie, and you know, I it, it's funny because like whenever I recommend like certain movies, and I'm like, oh, if you want drama, vampires, watch Interview with a Vampire because it's it's 
so good because you're you're watching so much more than a typical like vampire movie. There's so much more to it. So many layers to the film, and I just I just love it. Like, ugh. oh, do you guys know that they're remaking it? Into yes, a series? I saw. Yeah, I just found out. Today. I um, I'm really interested. I think I think it lends itself well to being a series rather than like a one and done movie because. The books have so many asides and frame stories within frame stories within frame stories that I think that would be a great way of mm-hmm. like getting all that juicy backstory in. Um, because the movie had a lot of monologues, the books have a lot of monologues, um, <laughs> and it is it does mm-hmm. it does become such a world with so much stuff happening. Like she's still writing books in the series to this day. Um, uh, so yeah. Oh wow! I didn't. Know yeah, yeah. I mean, she doesn't. You know, she's not like a an every year sort of writer, but you know, every five years or so, she usually puts something out. I think there's about she in the '90s. She really hit her stride and was writing a ton of books and tons of different series. But now she kind of, you know, like is writing a Lestat book every few years. Uh, I think the latest one he like went to Atlantis or something. Um, okay, so she's like, yeah, like Lestat, I'm giving you more Lestat. Oh, now he's going to fight Aquaman, basically. See, <laughs> but like, here's the thing. Anne Rice is like a fangirl of her own character, and I do not say that in judgment or negativity. Like, she adores Lestat. She projects on Lestat. She wants to be Lestat. She wants to marry Lestat. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, I feel that way about Lestat, honestly, so I cannot blame her. Um, like, I... Like there's just so much going on in this little guy, just just everything about him. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she's still. I I'm curious to see how they'll adapt it, especially because they uh, did something interesting with the casting with Louis. Um, uh, they cast a black actor. Um, which that's going to be interesting to see how they address him owning a plantation. And, yeah, seriously. Yeah. That is going to be interesting. I'm yeah. S- because I mean, in the book, I believe Louis Spanish, the way she describes him is like a Spanish Lord and how she describes him in the book. Whereas in the show, in the movie, they just was like, yeah. it, white face here, go. <laughs> It was um, the 90s. So it would so, yeah. be it would be interesting. It would be interesting to see that. And I think Claudia is also casted by a black child actress too, which I'm for it. I'm like, yes, biracial. Ha ha ha. <laughs> They're having a biracial marriage. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I just hope to make it gay. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll definitely check out that series. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, I know her son, Christopher Rice, is involved in the adaptation because uh he's kind of like uh, he's kind of the one who's in charge of of doing this kind of side project stuff, and he like co-writes with her sometimes. Because mm-hmm. um, Anne Rice continues to be very like protective of her works because she adores these characters so much. Um, so uh, and and that's why there's been so few adaptations of the work, and why they've constantly like announced and the project never happens, and announced and the project never happens with adaptations because she's she's very protective um it'll be really interesting to see i I can respect yeah um i think it'll be really interesting to see i think a tv series might be the a a better medium for it um because there's so many characters and hundreds of you know there's multiple centuries of these characters having adventures 
Uh, I have to say, I'm not super into the dude mm. they cast as Lestat because he's your very generic, like, Hollywood lantern-jawed, like, superhero guy. But, like, people <laughs> people doubted Tom Cruise and were totally proven wrong. So, who knows? Maybe as soon as we put this guy in a frock coat and a ponytail, he's gonna be, like, the second coming. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. But I'm excited for it, and we need more of this, like, it's gonna be refreshing to get a, a decent interview. Like, I mean, not just interview, a decent vampire series, where it's not all like, "I have to protect you, but I can't be near you, but I protect you." Like, what is that? Yeah, I don't need that. No, yeah, like go I, somewhere. I that I'm, I'm more fond of vampires doing interesting shit or being like, I'm o- I'm okay with them being assholes. The assholes are usually interesting. Like I've mentioned the show on here a million times, the originals, which was a spinoff of Vampire Diaries, but it was a drastically different show in terms of tone. And even, like, I would almost say audience, it was a lot more mature. And it followed, like, the family of the, the, basically the original vampire family, who were the people who, like, they were the first vampires. And the lead dude was a fucking asshole. Like, it was hilarious. He was a villain on Vampire Diaries, and then they realized they can't kill him, because if they killed him, it would wipe out the entire bloodline of people he've changed. So they were like, fuck it, we have to deal with him. So they made a show about him being a dick, but now he, like, (laughs) it wasn't only about him being a dick, it was more so about him protecting the one thing that could die which would be his new child. And I was like, that's interesting. Take an asshole, put him in a vulnerable situation. I'm watching this shit. And the show was fun. (laughs) The show was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Vampires. Amazing. But yes, uh, if you guys have not seen Interview the Vampire, you need to watch it. Like, you need to sit down, stream it, buy it, whatever. You need to watch it. It's such a good fucking film. So good. Like, Oh, um, yeah. I'm. Gonna uh, I'm I mean, I'm right there with you, Jackie. It is, it is up there. Probably like I've already said, it's like one of my favorite performances of all time. It's one of my favorite final scenes of all time. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is a joy to watch, um, because uh, it just like it just it doesn't shy away from the premise. It doesn't, you know, it's not embarrassed of being a vampire movie that's taking you know playing vampirism very seriously it's not winking to the camera about it it is having a great time being what it is and that's truly i think what makes people latch on to movies is uh, just like intention it's like we're we're making this we're not embarrassed of it and we're gonna try our hardest at it word any last words before we get out of here Britt? send it over to jackie uh yeah i guess um if you liked all this ranting and raving about interview with the vampire and you love the vibes i've got a couple movie recommendations if you want to see like a semi-toxic vampire relationship of just like vibing uh, uh you should check out only lovers left alive starring uh tom hiddleston and tilda swinton as two ancient vampires who are grappling with depression <laughs> and oh, but okay. they just like nothing happens there's no action scenes it's just vibes um okay <laughs> uh and then conversely if you really liked the really heightened reality like campy crazy costumes aspect of interview vampire you should check out velvet goldmine which is a highly fictionalized retelling of uh david bowie's career in the 70s to the point where he was not happy that this movie came out. Um, and they 
We're not allowed oh, to wow. use any of his movie music, even though they use the music of all of his contemporaries. Um, it's much more. It's uh, again one of those things where if you see it as a teenager, you make it your whole personality, um, and it's great. Um, and it's got like you and McGregor. Uh, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Um, oh my God, the guy who plays Batman, not Ben Affleck. It's cool. The guy before him. Uh, Michael Keaton? No, no, no. The guy in between. Or George Clooney. Chris Bale? No, the guy in like... Christian Bale? Christian Bale. There we go. There we go. It's Christian Bale. Bale. Christian Bale. Like, (laughs) it's it's like a who's who of like up and coming actors of the early 2000s. And it's just like... Okay. It's just homoerotic and weird and like got... It's got amazing costumes. So those are the two kind of like different... Different kind of tracks you can take dovetail like uh that dovetail into interview the vampire so you know like if you want vampires and vibes only lovers left alive if you want um uh chaos and drama and camp velvet goldmine cool you take us out jackie nice thank you for coming Brit. thank you for having me we appreciate it yes yes anytime. yes definitely bring you back as always i even gotta say it you know <laughs> 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 I love Bert so much. Um, but yeah, so again, watch Interview the Vampire, watch the recommendations. Um, is it do you want to tell anybody where they can find uh, your Bert? Yeah, if um you wanna see me uh every six months post a shit post on Twitter about how Lestat is a girl boss, you can follow me at Brit underscore Mullen on Twitter. I mean Lestat is <laughs> a girl boss. But yeah, so <laughs> Anyway, uh, enjoy your guys' self, and with that, I will say, ooh, ghost goodbye.